I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we work our way through the episode of NXT that originally aired on September 18th, 2013. In this episode, penises. (laughs) Penises, penises, penises. Almost exclusively. Also, there's wrestling, but mostly penises. It's true. Welcome to episode 18 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode featured a heavily foreshadowed Sasha Banks heel turn, possibly inspired by an evil spirit living in the mirror in the women's locker room, and coming off a very good match between Banks and Paige. In other words, a bunch of stuff that could never happen on this episode because it involved people with lady bits. Yep. And thank God, you know, I'm, I'm so happy NXT is finally letting the men get some television time for once. I know. Um, I was really worried about, you know, about their careers, about their feelings. Would have been perfect if not for Renee Young butting in with her microphone and her estrogen. Yeah, rude. Anyway, we'll talk more about all things not female in Bob's Breakdown before going into the muscular sights, the macho sounds, and the extremely manly feels of pro wrestling. (laughs) After that, we're going to have to work overtime a little bit in the wrestling term of the week. You know, like real men do. (laughs) And we might even have time for a quick and largely unsatisfying session of Guess the Gimmick before climaxing (laughs) prematurely, as we always do, with the Cheap Pop Quiz. (laughs) But first, it's time to see the results from last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. And Bob, I expect you to man up and take your lumps (laughs) like a man, by which I mean whine and complain about shit on Twitter. Okay, all right. My typing fingers are ready. All right, so question number one. Next episode's main event is an eight-man tag featuring the team of Adrian Neville, Corey Graves, Xavier Woods, and CJ Parker taking on the Ascension, Leo Kruger, and Tyler Breeze. Which of these wrestlers is suddenly so over with the crowd that they are chanting, we want blank when he's not in the ring, and that was awesome when he does literally anything? Is it A, Woods, B, Graves, C, Neville, D, Kruger, or E, Breeze, Bob, you selected E, Tyler Breeze, and you were correct. Oh, wow, I forgot I got that right. Yeah, you did. yeah. Question number two. Also on the next episode, we see a former jobber re-debut with a new gimmick. What does this gimmick entail? Is it A, beating people with a single move mere seconds after the match starts? B, beating people up before the bell rings so the match never actually starts. C, trying to sell both other wrestlers and the audience on a new fitness program. D, being a classically trained thespian who sings both before and after matches. Or E, being British. Bob, you selected C, the one with the fitness program. And while that is a thing that has happened in wrestling (laughs) more than once, the correct answer here is D, being a classically trained thespian who sings both before and after matches. And finally, question number three. Uh, No preamble on this one. Which of the following does not happen on next week's episode? Does not happen. Was it A, Kurt Hawkins returns to NXT? B, Cassius Ono returns to NXT? C, All Elite Wrestling Jobber QT Marshall makes his debut as an NXT jobber. D. Bo Dallas reveals he has a hotline for his Bo Leavers that is currently being tested in places like Bolivia. Or E. There is no women's wrestling on the show at all, with Renee Young being the only woman who appears in the episode. Uh, Definitely that was a thing that happened, as you might have noted from the intro. (laughs) I'm still mad about it, and I'm going to die mad about it. Um... (laughs) Bob, you selected the answer A, Kurt Hawkins returns to NXT, was what you thought would not happen. Unfortunately, the correct answer is B, Cash Ono returning to NXT. I'm Sorry, happy Bob. to see Kurt Hawkins again, but so sad not to have Cash Ono back. Yeah, I know. Hopefully you'll get him back soon. Bob is uh, moving through her third run through of the Cheap Pop Quiz, which we've already uh, produced couple of bonus episodes for her correct responses in this category. This one's taking a little bit longer, so I feel okay about adding the uh, the E. (laughs) 
we're going to talk more about Kerr Hawkins and QT Marshall and Bolivia and the lack of women's wrestling. It's all coming up right now in Bob's Breakdown. Sami Zayn. He's here. He is. His beaming puppy dog face, always a delight. And much to my surprise, I was not expecting this. It's a blast from the past, Kurt Hawkins. Seeing him this much later, I immediately went, was he always this shiny? (laughs) Maybe he was. Go back to episode one of our podcast for the first appearance and most recent appearance of Kurt (laughs) Hawkins. And then I also realized they couldn't afford like a real background for Kurt Hawkins on the Titantron. So they just gave him like a screensaver from 1998. <laughs> Hawkins is still wearing his little black choker. I don't know who was looking for that update. But for you, the other person who is not me, who was really excited about this, that's for you. He's wearing it. It's not me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who you're talking oh, about. You're not, you're not into Kurt Hawkins' weird like aesthetic? No, not so much. But I mean, maybe it's because I'm not from Queens. I feel like that's all there is to say about that. So the match starts and they lock up, but Hawkins gets in the ropes because he is here to win against Zane this time. Then a little bit later in the match, Zane has Hawkins in a chin lock or something, and Hawkins grabs a little bit of Zane's head behind him and grimaces like, I wish mom and dad never gave me a baby brother. <laughs> There's a lot of sibling energy in this one. Yeah. So Hawkins then starts throwing Zane around a little bit, but Zane answers with a drop kick. And I want to say, I know that drop kicks are fairly basic, relatively speaking, but God, there is something really lovely about a well-executed drop kick. It looks so balletic. I'm pretty sure in this match, he also does the thing that we called out in uh, the Cesaro match where Hawkins throws him up in the air and he like double jumps into the drop kick. Oh, he's so which good. Which looks so good. It does. I swear he's a video game character. So Hawkins wisely scuttles to the ropes. And then when Zane comes from Hawkins trips Zane, sending him through the ropes to the outside. And then Zane gets up on the apron, but Hawkins rams him into the ring post. And then Zane falls dramatically out of shot like a cat falling off a kitchen counter. And then once they're both back in the ring, he and Zane end up taking each other out at the same time with an arm kind of across the clavicle. I think. Was that an arm bar, a lariat? So that move is a clothesline, also referred to as a lariat. The only real difference in the two is whether or not you're in the South. Ah, okay. In the South, it's a lariat. Other places, it's a clothesline. You know, that tracks. That tracks. I know what a lariat is. I have family that does rodeo. (laughs) Southern things. Zane speeds it up and leaps from the top rope to do a crossbody flying at Hawkins like a dog that has missed you because you were at the store for literally 20 minutes. (laughs) Does your dog do that? Oh, God, my dog is incredibly neurotic. And if we leave him for a moment, he's like, where have you been? You go to the bathroom and he's like, oh, no, I thought you died. (laughs) All right. So Hawkins kicked Zane hard in the ear. And now Zane and Hawkins are both sort of just crawling around the mat like worms after rain. It's a lot of flopping. And Hawkins gets up and loops Zane's leg over his neck and tosses Zane like a fresh salad. And he goes for the pin. But he kicks out. Hawkins is pissed. He takes off his tiny wrist warmers. He takes off his Sonic the Hedgehog blue gloves, which he's been wearing this entire time for some reason. (laughs) He gets ready to whip himself at Zane for a big move, but instead gets a big old doggy paw to the face as Zane's boot collides with his snoot. And then Zane does his tornado DDT finisher. So I don't really know what a DDT is, but it's very effective because Hawkins flops to the floor like a Muppet that's been carelessly thrown from a hand and stays down. So a DDT is you've got them in like a headlock. The other guy is like bent over the waist, right? Their head is under your arm and then you fall backward. So their head hits the ground. Anything leading into that is a DDT of some kind. Yay. Why is it called the DDT? You know, I don't know. I think it was kind of a just a cool. I think it refers to the poison. Really? It might have something to do with it having been accidentally invented by Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm just saying that because he has the snake gimmick poison. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm probably going to cut all this out because I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want other somebody tell us. Let's never look it up. Let's have somebody tell us. If you know why they named this move the DDT, hit us up at uh, NXT Wrestling Fan on Twitter or at NXT Wrestling Fan at gmail.com. Because we could Google it, but it's way more fun if you tell us. Yeah. Why bother Googling? Yeah. Googling is for is for I don't know. People who who don't want to hang out with cool friends. Oh, and I just want to say, you know what, Kurt Hawkins? 
Bless you for putting Sami Zayn over and making yourself look like a dork in the process. You're a good dude. Very interesting that uh, the match was so much longer this time around. What did oh, you think yeah. about that? Uh, I <laughs> I was sort of over the match at a certain point. because I was <laughs> like, I don't need all this. What's all this for? But I did enjoy it. And I was really pleased to get to see Kurt Hawkins sort of actually wrestle and get to see yeah. what Kurt Hawkins wrestles like. I felt like that was the kind of the story of the match because like Kurt Hawkins has never been like really anything in wrestling. I mean, he's been like on tag teams. and He's won championships as a tag team. But as a singles wrestler, he really has had no sustained success. And to me, it almost felt like the story of this match was Kurt Hawkins is fucking wrestling the, the match of his life right now. Like he never gets to do shit like this. And the announcers are saying things like, oh, we've never seen that move from Kurt Hawkins before. And he's it's Aww. still not enough to beat Sami Zayn. Because like the first time he and Zayn wrestled, Zayn beat him in like three minutes. Yeah. This time he's going 15 with a guy or some shit, but he still can't put him away. It almost yeah. makes the tragedy of Kurt Hawkins even more profound. Yeah, I just want... I want everybody to win in wrestling, and I know that's not how wrestling or anything works. Right. But God, Kurt Hawkins tried so freaking hard, and I'm like, oh, come on, A for effort. <laughs> oh, Kurt Hawkins. I just also really appreciate that Kurt Hawkins, I feel like his strength is that he made it look like it was a struggle for Sami Zayn to put him away. And sold the shit out of the stuff that Sami Zayn did. I felt like yeah. he was a really great scene partner. And I respect that Kurt Hawkins commits 100% to being a good scene partner. Match two is a real, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. Aiden English steps out in red jeggings and a scarf with mustache print on it. <laughs> I saw that too. I just loved it. He gets a mic and tells everybody that he is an artiste. So already some real strong character choices are being made. Yeah. And he wrote a little song about the fact that he's an artiste. So, so here we go. He sings a version of I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General, a.k.a. the Major General song. Except it is, yeah, the very model of a modern major superstar. I was not sure how the audience was going to go with this. There was some shouting and some, what? Which I guess is how they suggest this is too fancy for us. <laughs> Which I didn't realize that just yelling what was a way of signaling this is too fancy. But as far as I can tell, that is the purpose of that call. Someday. Someday we will talk about the what chant and why oh. it needs to burn in hell forever. <laughs> ooh, ooh, foreshadowing. I'm here for it. So I was surprised. He gets through the whole song. Yeah. And the audience didn't really try and stop him. They, they sort of went into with it. it. Yeah, they weren't like passionate, but they were like, okay, I got to ask you, Miles, how much singing would you say you have seen in your years of watching wrestling? More than you'd expect, but less than I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really beautiful answer. Some of my favorite wrestling moments have involved like wrestlers trying to sing or like trying to rap. It can be Oof. really stupid, but it also can be very memorable. I've seen a lot of it, honestly, but uh, but I, I always wish there would be more because I just really enjoy music. <laughs> and he's good. Yeah, he's quite He's a really good, good singer. <laughs> that last note was, I think, flat, but... Um, yeah, he had a couple flat you know, ones, but overall, like, for a pro wrestler, he's pretty good at singing. Oh, yeah. I was sort of like, dang, you nailed everything but that last one? That's real good. I gotta ask you, then, who, if you could get any wrestler to sing, and if you could, like, have them magically sing well, who would you want to hear bust a tune out? Hmm. Kind of want to hear uh, Adrian Neville. Bust a tune out in that accent. Ooh. And I really want to hear, like, not Adrian Neville. I really want to hear Pac do it. <gasps> oh, wow. That'd be life changing. Like, I want Pac to, like, cut one of those, like, promos where it's all black and white and he's being super menacing and crazy. But, like, he sings a little song. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be amazing. For those of you who haven't seen AEW, Pac is Adrian Neville, but evil, basically, is as yeah. much as I can tell. He is the uh, the leveled up, just completely insane evil wrestler that Adrian Neville has now become since leaving WWE. Yeah, there's a not inconsiderable amount of Gollum into that character. And yeah, I don't understand that choice, but it's kind of fun. So there you go. The bell goes and there's a lockup. He's wrestling a jobber named Michael Q. Laurie. I'm not going to go through the beats of this entire match because honestly, I feel like the one thing that makes this match truly great 
is how much flair Aiden English throws into everything he does. Seriously. Little bows before he does like the big drop kick, all kinds of yes, stuff. Yes, so good. And I do recognize QT Marshall. I did yeah. kind of recognize him, but only a little bit. Speaking of AEW, Michael Q. Laurie is QT Marshall from AEW. Yeah. Once he gets Laurie down, he kicks him and then does this theatrical bow before doing a leg drop. And then English waits while Laurie gets back to his feet. I puts actually an think arm his last him. name is Q. Laurie. I'm pretty sure his like, I don't think it's Michael Q. Laurie. I think it's Michael Q. Laurie. That's weird. Yeah, that's so weird. Because I'm uh, sorry, I watch it with the subtitles on and it put the Q separately. Oh, my God. So I just you can't completely trust the subtitles. No. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I had the subtitles on and Sylvester LaFour came out and said, Je m'appelle Sylvester LaFour. And it said, Je m'appelle Silver Surfer. Wow, it got the French right, but not his name. <laughs> yeah, I took a picture of it because it's so freaking great. Oh, you have to post that online. I will. I will. I think Neil made me because Neil was like, no, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Seriously. Especially because really... he is definitively not the Silver Surfer. Yeah, I think he was just wearing one of his like money jackets and you're like, wow, the Silver Surfer is really going through some things. Seriously. He doesn't get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> the Silver Surfer bought a car. He's like, he's, oh. He's I'm... really hit rock bottom. <laughs> oh, of course silver surfer don't uh, worry you can get back out there silver surfer you'll find your galactus okay so aiden english puts an arm around q laurie and then yells take a bow and they both bow to camera and then english jumps up and twists so he's facing away from the camera and helping drag q laurie to the mat q laurie hits hard and gets pinned by english and what's that move called miles because i was really struggling with how to describe it it's not real fancy but it was very tidy I don't know that it has a, a name. Um, it doesn't look like a thing that would have a name. It's just like tidy thing that happened. Yeah, he like lifts him up in the air and then spins around and slams him down. It's it's kind of like a sling blade, uh, but not really. It's weird. I don't remember much about Aiden English as a singles wrestler because I'm much more familiar with him as part of a tag team. So I, I don't know what he calls it. And I don't know that it has a name in like common wrestling parlance. But if again, if anybody um, can correct me on that, please feel free. Yeah, I'm interested to know if it has a name. I mean, everything else in wrestling has a name. I don't know why that wouldn't have a name, but I, I don't know. It's weird. And, and that kind of thing, it's like I would just have to refer to it as whatever he calls it. Maybe it's called Take a Bow. You know what I mean? Oh, OK. Yeah, that could be, totally be. So Kilori stays down for the pin and then rolls out of the ring when the match is over, leaving English alone. And English gets the mic in the spotlight again. And this time the crowd goes fucking ape shit whenever yeah. he announces an encore. Were they chanting I encore? I think they were chanting it after he won. Whoa, because I think that was the fastest I've ever seen a crowd get on board with something that what they weren't already sort of hot for. Is that unusual? Is English just that good? Is it the perfect gimmick and no one knew it was the perfect gimmick? Honestly, this crowd is kind of doing some things on this episode that I didn't really expect. I think it's just the audience being excited. This kind of character, very similar to the Tyler Breeze kind of character. Mm. I think it's the sort of character that you would expect to get booed that like Vince McMahon would expect to get booed. Like, look at this fucking guy. He's so highfalutin. He's an intellectual, calls himself an artist, wants to sing and like talk about how he's a thespian. And sometimes <laughs> that really does work because wrestling fans can be awful. But in NXT, the fan base is way more open minded than that and mm. way more willing to like get behind. Like, I feel like they were just like, hey, this guy can kind of sing and we enjoyed his squash match. So sure. You know what I mean? That's awesome. What a good crowd this has been. I like yeah, crowd a lot. I really enjoy the, the crowd at Full Sail, especially in the early years. All right. Now a backstage package. Miles In interview segment anyway. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Is that what it is? Yeah. Package is usually okay. a pre-produced like. So, oh, like, that's right. OK, yeah. wait, is this a promo? Yeah. Bo Dallas is, is being interviewed backstage and, and ends up cutting a promo. Yeah. OK. I just want to say, Miles. Yeah. I did nothing to deserve this backstage segment. <laughs> I so, try to so make good. the world a better place. I try <laughs> to foment joyous rebellion and radical compassion wherever I am. And yet. This 
interview segment is here to test how deep my compassion goes and show me for the fallible person that I am. <laughs> so it's Bodellis. Of course it's Bodellis. And he's backstage on the phone telling someone to keep Bo leaving. And he gets off the phone as Renee comes in. He says, guess what I've just been doing? A question that makes my hackles raise. He was on the Bo Dallas hotline currently testing in places like Bolivia. Bolivia. He says it like it's so clever. He does. Oh, my God. So I'm going to use my therapy tools and just sit with this discomfort for a second. Hmm. 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 Damn you, Bo Dallas. <laughs> if there was ever a segment that backs up fucking the fanfic. Yeah, Sanity's fanfic, Sanity's Lucky fanfic. Tiger. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's not a human being. No, definitely not. So he asked Renee what's on her mind, and she came to tell him that Zane had an impressive victory over Kurt Hawkins. And does Bo think Zane's ready for a shot at the title now? Bo points out, when was the last time Kurt Hawkins won a match? How very dare you, sir? So I actually looked this up. I know he's won like none, hasn't he? The last time he won a match, we're in uh, September of 2013 now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The previous victory uh, held by Kurt Hawkins occurred on August 17th, 2012. So Bo has a point. (sighs) Fine, Bo. So Bo says Zane has to win against someone with credibility, but he's got a plan that will be fair for everyone regarding championship stuff, which he'll be announcing next week. So I guess that's a thing. Yep. Now we come to one of the hardest things I have ever had to figure out how to break down. It is an eight-man tag team match. Yeah. Team heel is Tyler Breeze, Leo Kruger, and The Ascension. Team face is Xavier Woods, CJ Parker, Neville, and Graves. Everyone enters to some enthusiasm, but nothing insane. I want to mention that now because that is going to change. First of all, Miles, what the entire fuck? What is the deal with these random ass tag teams? Is this just a thing that happens? Kruger and Woods have been feuding. Breeze and Parker have been feuding. And the Ascension have been feuding with Neville and Graves. So sometimes when you want to advance every story or at least have every story on an episode of your TV show, you just throw them all together in a big tag team match. Okay. That makes you know. a lot more sense than any other possible explanation that I sort of could cobble together in my and mind. And also it creates kind of interesting dynamics sometimes where it's like, you know, can the two sides work together? Like what's going to happen here? And we do see that play out in an interesting way in this match. Yeah, I agree. There were some interesting mm, dynamics for sure. Yeah, because certainly like the fact that the heel team couldn't get all on the same page is it plays directly into the finish of the match. Yeah, boy, does it. So... The good boys start off strong, and every time they get someone from the heel team, they concentrate on taking turns working the left arm. Everyone sort of gets a turn in the ring, except Breeze. Mm -hmm. And it's about four minutes of basically that. And now Kruger and Graves are in the ring, and Kruger gets Graves over the corner and tags in O'Brien. And it's at this point that the audience starts expressing a vocal preference. Yes, we want Breeze. We want Breeze. And then occasionally, we want the model. (laughs) So, okay, that's happening. Woods tags in for Team Good Boys and the crowd is stoked because it's morphin' time! And he catches Kruger hard with that arm across the throat. And then when he goes to follow Kruger, Kruger gets the hell out of the ring and Team Baddies all sort of depart from the corner and head towards the ramp to, I don't know, lurk for a minute. To confer. Yeah, but, you know, evilly. Right. So Graves and Parker do synchronized baseball slides like something out of Little Rascals to take out Victor and Breeze. And then Woods leaps over the top rope to come down on O'Brien. Does Neville take out Kruger? I think so. Okay, because I knew I knew um, Neville got in there, but I couldn't remember what he did. I, it's a very complicated match to recap. I don't think you have to worry necessarily about, like, you know, who did specific True. things to, to who. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So then we go to commercial and whenever we come back, Woods has his arms pulled behind him by Victor and then gets dragged into the batty corner for just a barrage of chest kicks from (laughs) O'Brien. So many. Just rich in chest kicks. The crowd is screaming for Breeze, who slaps O'Brien's bicep and tags himself in. And O'Brien gives him this look like, did you seriously just touch me? No one touches me except for the darkness of night and my vampire lover. Breeze gets in one hit and then Woods hits him back. So Breeze books it to the corner and tags in Kruger. Miles, was this coordinated ahead of time or does this feel like they're responding to what the crowd wants? So what this is all building to is Tyler Breeze tagging himself into the match 
and then like failing to be effective when he's tagged in, you know, tagging yourself in is kind of a selfish action, right? Yeah. So this is all building to Tyler Breeze being so selfish and not on the same page with his teammates that they abandon him to be attacked and pinned by pretty much every member of the, the face team. So that was obviously planned. Was the bit where he doesn't tag in for a long time and then tags in and then is immediately out planned? I kind of doubt it. I, I feel like that is a response to the crowd. Mm. I feel I feel like that specific thing is him going like, wow, these people really are chanting for me, like don't really care about anyone else. Definitely don't care about the baby faces very much right now. And they just are chanting my name. How do I deal with this considering I'm a heel? How do I make them boo? And so what he does is he gets in the ring to raucous applause and then immediately leaves, which is brilliant. And I suspect kind of accidentally plays into the overall story of the match. It's possible that it was planned out earlier, but I can't imagine them anticipating that reaction to him. Yeah, that's, I think, the part that made me go, they must be reacting to it because no one, I think, would expect that level of crowd reaction. It's just hard to tell because it fits so cohesively in the story they're telling. And I think yeah. that's accidental and just like a brilliant move by him. It felt so seamless, but I was going, who could have foreseen that? And honestly, it doesn't really work because like when he tags out, the only thing the crowd does is start chanting, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. But like, it's still brilliant on his part, because not only is he organically reacting to what the crowd is doing, but he is continuing to tell the story that he knows is happening in the match. Just yeah. really well done by him. Yeah. As a performer. I completely agree. Kruger works on Woods for a bit, but Kruger goes back to tag in Breeze and Breeze punches Woods in the face. But the moment Woods brushes against his stomach, he runs for the corner holding his tummy. <laughs> and then O'Brien is tagged in, locks his legs around Woods and bodily drags him back to the batty corner like an anaconda dragging a deer. I was like, how strong is this man? Like he's yeah. just physically dragging himself with his legs locked. So Breeze is in again, you know, for a few seconds. Tries to suplex Woods, but Woods reverses it. And Breeze sold that suplex like no suplex has ever heard that much in the history of sports entertainment. Yeah. And the baddies are screaming at him. Get up! <laughs> Get up! That's my favorite thing about him. He's, he tags himself in and he's like, no, it's okay, I got this. And then he just takes a huge move and has to tag out again. So Woods makes it for the hot tag to Parker and Breeze tags O'Brien. And now it sort of descends into a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. Parker goes for a pin. Rick Victor bat flaps in to break it up. Graves swoops in like the elf cavalry to take out Victor. So both of them are now on the outside. O'Brien goes to pin Parker. Neville breaks it up only to be attacked by Kruger who tosses him outside. O'Brien gets in at this huge move throwing Parker like Parker is maybe five or six feet off the ground. That's and a flapjack. Flapjack boy. It looked like one. He just comes down like a flapjack onto yep. his stomach. That is why it is called that. Oof. I, uh, it's like the world's worst belly flop. <laughs> and O'Brien gets near the corner and Breeze is still there. So Breeze tags himself in to steal the pin. Parker kicks out and then Breeze looks at team baddies and is like, no, no, I got this. Yeah. But Parker gets him in the face and Breeze is stumbling around dazed and team baddies. They look at their chump tag team partner and they all just nope out and head back up the ramp. It was so glorious and amazing. And then everyone from Team Bad Guy gets to do one big move on Breeze and then Neville finishes them off with a red arrow. The crowd loves it, but even as they love it, they're still chanting, Tyler Breeze, Tyler Breeze. Final image of this entire thing. Best part of it. Team Good Guys gathers around the fallen Tyler Breeze for a selfie. Poetry. <laughs> it's so weird because that's a moment where you would normally see all the baby faces hit their finishing moves. Yeah. Um, I guess the palm strike is one of CJ Parker's like signature moves, at least. But what the fuck is Graves doing? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, but I was like, oh, like, OK, I know your finisher you is a submission, but do you really not have anything else you can do other than like do a, a, a leg block? Because <laughs> all he does is he bounces off the ropes and he like shoulder checks him in the leg. And it's like, oh my God, what a big move. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Corey. 
I also noticed there was another moment of this match where you mentioned when uh, when Corey clotheslines Rick Victor out of the ring. Mm. He actually doesn't. I don't know if you noticed this, but what happens is Graves comes with a full head of steam and Victor, I don't know if he like isn't prepared or like Graves was just going too fast, but Graves basically clotheslines himself out of the ring. Victor <laughs> doesn't go over and he like just kind of awkwardly falls down and then Graves pulls him <laughs> under the bottom rope so that they're still in position. <laughs> I love it so much. This match is fucking dumb, but like... I love this match because in NXT, even a randomly thrown together eight man tag still has a cohesive start to finish story. And it's really delightful. And it's made more delightful by the fact that the crowd, for some reason, has just decided that Tyler Breeze is their guy. Yeah, there was something really special about this match. Thank you for that breakdown, Bob. Overall episode, no ladies on it. How do you feel about it anyway? The no ladies thing aside, I have to say that I was really delighted to meet Aiden English's full-blown character. I feel yeah. like that was a delight. And I enjoyed the tag team match, and I liked getting to see Sami Zayn. But for me, getting to meet this new character who is so different, that's great. I'm super here for it. These early days of NXT are so much fun because it's still very much a wrestling school. You can see, like, Aiden English, we met him before. He was a jobber. Yeah, he was a great jobber, too. Yeah, and, like, now he's just being reintroduced with actually a character, and it's so much fun watching them try out new things like this. I am into it. Speaking of things that we're into, it is time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Yes, it is. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Hashtag butt watch. Oh, no. Yeah, so at first I thought that Michael Kilori had a raccoon face on his butt. <laughs> and I thought, that's a weird call. That's like what you'd see in, you know, children's underwear. <laughs> but I think it's just like a really weird abstract Batman logo or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so if you know what is on Michael Kilori's butt, please tweet her right in. NXT Wrestling Fan on Twitter or at gmail.com. We'll put it on social media. Maybe we'll ask uh, QT Marshall what he thinks it is. Yeah, because I would love ideas. to know. I'm very curious. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? I was just really into Tyler Breeze's pants in this episode. They're good pants. They're just like, there's nothing on them. There's no hashtag butt wash to do with them, but there's like a really nice shade of like bright red. And I just really liked it for some reason. You know, it was a good shade and I feel like it's hard to do... I don't know. It's hard to do a red in that level of brightness without it just looking n- gross and not great. Yeah. And uh, they looked really good. Heck yeah, Tyler Breeze's pants. Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? They heard just how friggin' delighted Alex Riley was with Aiden English. <laughs> yeah, he was really into him. He was. And he said, if this guy can wrestle a lick, he's my favorite one here. And you can just hear the awe and delight in his voice. And I was sort of moved by the fact that Alex Riley has, I assume, been in the business for a while. And he's probably seen a lot of things. Eh. And that, oh, no, he hasn't been in that long. Eh, not so much. Well, I guess I was just sort of struck anyway that, like, somebody who's seen a lot of wrestling would nonetheless be in awe and sort of delighted by something like that. That it can always surprise you. So I was really delighted that. It was definitely his best work on commentary of the episode. Oh, yeah. I especially loved his, uh, at the end, after English is going back to the ramp, he starts singing like, yeah, my name is Alex Riley. And Phillips is like, oh, God. Yeah, I was delighted. Miles, what did your Vulcan ears hear? So I really wanted to talk shit about Alex Riley on this episode. He says at one point, Kurt Hawkins has a... Uh, headlock on Zane and Riley says not a lot of people have applied holds to Sami Zayn maybe that's a way to beat him oh no and oh I'm like, no I'm like motherfucker he tapped out to Swagger last time we saw him before that he tapped out to Cesaro in a chin lock and we've also seen him tap out to Kruger <laughs> what oh, is wrong with you no oh Alex Riley do your fucking homework but unfortunately, that all had to take a backseat uh, because at one point in the Aiden English Michael Q. Lowry match, English drops Q. Lowry to the ground and starts punching him like big exaggerated face punches that you see in wrestling. Oh, yeah. And Tom Phillips just yells, Aiden English pounding it out with Michael Q. Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, so, can somebody please explain to Phillips what pounding it out means? <laughs> oh. oh, God. Anyway, Megan, Bob, what did your human heart feel? So I think it's taken as read that both of us felt irritation that there was no women's match. So setting that aside. Yeah. I think a slight twinge of pity for Tyler Breeze. Are you coming around on Tyler Breeze at all, Bob? Because you were not into him at the beginning. I think I felt a single molecule of sorrow and empathy for that abandoned mm. heel. So all I right. think previously I was at 20%, I want to say, 15%, somewhere in there. Yeah. I think I'm at like 22% now. Okay. That's something. Moving on up. Moving yeah. on up. And what about you? What did your human heart feel? I couldn't help but notice that, uh, and this has been the case ever since they won the tag team titles, Neville and Graves still don't come out together. Mm. They come out individually as singles wrestlers with their own music and their own entrances and everything. And it just made me a little bit sad that they're not quite there yet in their relationship, despite being the tag team champions. And I certainly hope their I certainly hope their friendship doesn't become rocky anytime soon. You know what I mean? I hope hope these aren't like signs of of hardship between them because I want them to be friends. Oh, no. I hope they don't, too. I don't Miles. I, I, oh, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. It is now time for the wrestling term of the week. But before we can get to that, we need to hear Bob's fanfic explaining the previous wrestling term of the week, which was kayfabe. Miles. Yep. This one might be for you. It okay. might be for me. I think it's mostly for you or me or both of us. I'm not sure. I'm ready. Okay. Oh, my sake's gotten a bit cold. Aziraphale frowned a little, his brow (laughs) crinkling in that adorable way that made Crowley annoyed with himself for using words like adorable. (laughs) Well, Miracle at Warmer asked them to heat it up again, Crowley shrugged, picking at his sushi. I really shouldn't. I shouldn't be using Miracles on frivolous things. It's not something an angel should do. And I hate to bother the staff. Aziraphale gave Crowley that slightly pleading look. Crowley privately thought that was very unfair. It was one thing for Aziraphale to give him that look when they were alone and he could shag him silly, but doing it out in public where he couldn't do anything about that delicate (laughs) pout felt like blackmail, which incidentally did make Crowley feel a little proud of Aziraphale. So you want me to warm it up then? Aziraphale's eyes lit up. Oh yes, if you would please. I'm trying to maintain kayfabe. (laughs) Crowley paused, hand raised to curse the sake back to Aziraphale's preferred temperature. I beg your pardon? (laughs) Kayfabe, you know, the persona that I must maintain as an angel. (laughs) You okay there? I'm I'm good. Keep going. Crowley looked over his sunglasses at his ear fell. I know what it is. How do you know what it is? (laughs) I learned about it from watching, what is it? Fisticuffs? (laughs) Wrestles? Aziraphale wondered aloud. Pro wrestling, yes. Professional wrestling, that's it, Aziraphale said crisply. I happen to be at that brunch place I so enjoy, you know, with the excellent buckwheat crepes. Anyway, they had installed televisions. Televisions? Well, it isn't what I would have chosen, but the crepes really are very good. So I stayed to order, and they were showing professional wrestling on the television. I hardly understood a thing, but the pathos, the human drama, it was surprisingly moving. A young couple next to me asked if I followed wrestling. I confessed I didn't know about it until just now. They were kind enough to explain some of the ins and outs to me. Very nice of them. And of course, kayfabe made me think about us and how we each help one another out with our tasks, but still maintain our personas for the sake of our respective superiors. Even though, as you put it, we're on our side. I thought that was very romantic of you, you know. (laughs) Crowley blinked. Not something he did often, but sometimes with Aziraphale, it was the only response possible. (laughs) Although I suppose we don't have to worry about kayfabe so much now that things are somewhat settled for the time being, the averted apocalypse and all. Aziraphale reached over and looped his fingers with Crowley's. Crowley felt his heart give that little flip it always did when Aziraphale was nearby and gave his hand a slight squeeze. But you still want me to warm your sake, Angel. Well, if you wouldn't mind, I suppose I could do it. But as you know, it's always nicer when someone else does it for you. Aziraphale blushed slightly and gave that guilelessly seductive look that Crowley could never resist. Crowley felt his pulse ratchet up and waved a hand at the sake. Aziraphale's eyes widened slightly. My dear, I think you've brought it to a boil? (laughs) Crowley gave him a hungry look. Aziraphale beamed while flushing a deeper red and cleared his throat. throat) Yes, well, I'll just get a takeaway box, shall I? I think that's a good idea, Angel. (laughs) Oh... 
And then they bang. That was one of my favorites yet, not just because it uh, establishes their relationship as canon. I had other fic ideas, and then I remembered Aziraphale and Crowley as a possible idea and went, oh, oh, I know what this fic is. Thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. All right, so I thought that we were going to be able to do Wrestling History of the Week this time around. Mm -hmm. And my plan was to talk about the history of women's wrestling, because for some reason this seemed like an opportune time. Mm. Unfortunately, that's going to have to wait, because I rewatched the next episode in our coverage, and that shit is going to be entirely incomprehensible without context. Okay. Um, in other words, another victory for the motherfucking patriarchy. Mm. I, I'm conflicted about the choice that I made, but ultimately I think it's what's best for business. All right. Uh, the wrestling term of the week is B plus player. What? A B plus player is a wrestler who's good in the ring and great to have on your show but who isn't and will never be a top star. If you're WWE, you need these guys. You love having them around, but they're never going to be in that top spot, main eventing WrestleMania as the world champion while acting as the face of the company, being the guy who sells the most tickets and the most merchandise. By the way, the ability to sell tickets and merchandise is referred to in wrestling as the ability to draw, as in to draw a crowd. Mm. And the grade A wrestlers are the top draws in the company. Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, The Rock, John Cena, Becky Lynch more recently. People that you've probably heard about even if you're not a wrestling fan. B-plus players, on the other hand, are great wrestlers who the company has decided will never be superstars. Not always because they're too small and don't have the right physique, but mostly because of that. Hmm. They are extremely talented, but there is a hard ceiling on their success. B-plus player is a term that's probably been used off-camera for a very long time, but it first came into the collective consciousness of wrestling fandom right around the time period we're covering, the fall of 2013. It involved the story of Daniel Bryan, who, as we mentioned in episode 15, defeated John Cena at SummerSlam 2013 in the midst of our coverage to capture his first ever WWE championship. What we didn't mention was that part of the story of that match involved Bryan being unfairly kept down by both Vince McMahon and then general manager of Raw at the time, Brad Maddox. Oh. Long story, but yes, uh, though he has been merely an announcer on NXT, Brad Maddox was an authority figure on Raw and was originally scheduled to be the special guest referee for the match between Brian and Cena, a clear attempt by the establishment to swing the match against Brian. However, Triple H, the CEO of the company, supported Brian, and he ends up hitting Maddox with his finisher, the pedigree, and declaring that he will actually be the special guest referee for the match, leveling the playing field once more. Hmm. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. However, after Brian defeats Cena, Triple H revealed his true plan, giving Brian the pedigree. He then allows Randy Orton... Oh, no. Who, long story short, but he has a contract to challenge for the championship anytime he wants to. So Triple H gives Brian the pedigree and lets Orton cash in his contract right then and there, pinning Brian and winning the championship moments after Brian had beaten Cena. Aww. This action would kick off the story of the underdog Daniel Bryan versus The Authority, a group that consisted of Triple H who is now running the show full-time, his wife, Stephanie McMahon, yes, his real wife, and yes, Vince's real daughter, Kane, and The Shield. Hmm. Oh, and Brad Maddox was still there, too, uh, now an underling of Triple H, which is why you're about to see him suddenly presented as an authority figure on the next episode of NXT. Okay. Triple H rationalized his betrayal of Brian by saying that Brian was a B-plus player. Stephanie was actually the first to use the term on television and saying that his decision was simply best for business, a line that would become the authority's primary catchphrase. It was effective because it was widely believed that WWE really did see Brian as this B-plus player, and really did think that keeping him out of the championship picture was best for their business. This is a classic modern example of WWE creating interest in a storyline by blurring the line between kayfabe and reality, the end result of which would be the conflation of the audience's desire to see the hero defeat the villain and their desire to see Daniel Bryan, the real person, achieve the success he deserved within a company that did not want him to. Wow. 
Despite the recency of its entrance into the widespread wrestling lexicon, B-plus player is a good term to know while following modern wrestling, largely because the Daniel Bryan story turned out to be so important. Hopefully, we will get to finish that story some other time. For now, however, here are just a couple more things you might want to be aware of going into the next episode. These definitely are not for your fanfic. It's just a little more context for what's happening in the WWE in the fall of 2013. There's only two things that I need to tell you. The first thing is that the authority didn't only exist to screw over Daniel Bryan. They also began exercising their power over other wrestlers as well. Some for standing up for Bryan, some for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. One of these wrestlers was Cody Rhodes. Hmm. Back when he was still with WWE. The authorities' persecution of Cody eventually drew in his brother Dustin, then known as Goldust, and even their father, NXT General Manager Dusty Rhodes, all of whom became targets of the authority. And the second thing you need to know is that there is a person who exists named John Bradshaw Layfield. He is a former WWE champion who, in 2013, was the color commentator for Monday Night Raw. All you need to know about him right now is that he is a rich, conservative blowhard from Texas, known for referring to himself as a wrestling god. Oh, no. (sighs) I really wanted to talk about the history of women's wrestling, but I had to do this instead. Thank you so much. We'll get there. We will. I think we have time for a quick episode of Guess the Gimmick, Bob. So are you ready? I think so. This edition of Guess the Gimmick comes courtesy of our very own NXT Wrestling Fan Champion, Sidriel Constellation, a.k.a. Josh Vasky Huff. Josh would like to know what you think about a wrestler, a fairly famous wrestler, by the name of Sting. And I would uh, highly suggest, Bob, that when you do your your Google search, you uh, either type in Sting Wrestling or Sting Wrestler. What? (laughs) I am specifically looking at the iteration wearing a lot of black and then has a scorpion on the shirt. Uh That's certainly the the, most popular iteration. Yeah. And the face paint and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think very serious industrial goth and specifically has come into wrestling because people don't respect the goth life. There's too many goth lights and not enough hardcore goths. Too many casuals in the goth clubs. Too many people who bought a chain wallet at Hot Topic and don't understand what it is to live that cemetery life. <laughs> and has decided that he is going to be a goth warrior to really, you know, put the darkness back into gothitude and show people what it is to be a true industrial goth. Fighting for, like, the honor of industrial gothdom. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that could be part of his motivation. (laughs) I don't know for sure. Um, I'm going to be upfront about this. I I didn't watch WCW in the 90s, which is where Sting kind of came to uh, prominence, especially in this iteration. But I am pretty well familiar with her, as most wrestling fans kind of have to be at some point, because Sting has been wrestling for a very long time and for lots of different companies. You can see Bob in some of these image searches. There are some images of him where he's dressed in less black with more colorful face paint and like short blonde hair. Uh, Yes, that is like his earlier iteration. And I think it was just kind of an 80s thing. I know he started in a tag team with the Ultimate Warrior and they were kind of supposed to be like just sort of big, you know, muscular 80s colorful Uh, dudes. You know what I mean? I do. Um, The Warrior is a whole other story, but Sting, he was kind of a just your typical hero with more heart than brains. You know what I mean? Yes. He had a long history of like trusting the wrong people. Lots of friends betraying him and turning heel on him. God. Uh, At a certain point in the middle of his WCW run, he ran afoul of a group called the New World Order. And as a result of his inability to beat them and his friends betraying him to join them, um, he started like hanging out in the rafters in the arenas. What the fuck? 
Yeah, he just like hung out in the ceiling. He started wearing all black and doing his face paint this particular way. That's very clearly and obviously um, reminiscent of the crow. Uh, uh, I think it was meant to sort of evoke sort of a, uh, you know, a very crow like I have been betrayed. I shall now ponder my vengeance sort of deal. <laughs> so, yeah, he would just like hang out in the rafters and like nobody was sure like whose side he was on. Um, he would sometimes tease joining one side or the other, uh, but eventually would, of course, uh, come down from the rafters to uh, get his revenge on the the NWO due to a variety of factors involving how uh, WCW was run and the fact that Hulk Hogan was the nefarious villain champion that Sting was attempting to depose. And you would think the logical story of that would be like Sting finally getting his revenge on Hulk Hogan. Unfortunately, Hogan is an asshole and like didn't want to make Sting look good. So Uh, it didn't really it didn't really work. Uh, Sting's whole thing kind of fizzled out after that. He was just kind of Sting like he kind of kept the same look. But um, his later appearances, most notably in Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, um, were predicated on the fact that he was Sting and he was popular as Sting. So he kept the look, but uh, the character was that he was a legendary wrestler, as so many legendary wrestlers eventually become that character. However, (laughs) originally, uh, the industrial goth look that you're so describing came about by being betrayed by too many friends and uh, spending some time brooding in the rafters of various wrestling arenas. So not too far off. That's the only way you're allowed into a really hardcore goth club is if you can climb in the rafters. That's That's where the entrance is. All right, Bob. Well, we're going to close things out and we're going to close things out as we always do with the cheap pop quiz. Yeah. So, Bob, question number one. Our next episode features four NXT tag teams competing in something called Tag Team Turmoil. What is Tag Team Turmoil? Is it A, a gauntlet style match where two teams wrestle, the loser is eliminated, the winner has to wrestle the third team, and then the loser of that's eliminated and the winner has to wrestle the next team, etc. B, a tag team match where two people fight in the ring, but anybody can tag anybody else. C, a tag team match without tags, where all the wrestlers fight in the ring at the same time. D, a tag team version of a battle royal where the objective is to throw your opponents over the top rope. Or E, a hardcore tag team match where there are no countouts and no disqualifications. These all sound so plausible. Well, they sound plausible because they're all things that exist, but only one of them is called Tag Team Turmoil. Can you repeat what B was, please? A tag team match where two people fight in the ring, but anybody can tag anybody else. Sure. That seems like a thing. I think I've seen that before. I don't know what it was called, but sure. That's what I'm going with. Question number two. Bob, it is my very great pleasure to inform you that William Regal is back on commentary for the next episode. Oh, thank Christ. But there's also a new face on commentary. Oh. Is it A, Renee Young? B, good old J.R. Jim Ross? C, Corey Graves? D, Summer Rae? Or E, Vince McMahon? Oh, please not Vince McMahon. Please not Vince McMahon. I want to enjoy this episode. I want it to be Renee Young. I'm going to say Renee Young because I want it to be true. Okay, your answer is A, Renee Young. I want them to flirt a little bit just so (laughs) Renee, we can hear Renee blushing. And question number three. We mentioned in a previous episode, we we talked a little bit about these anti-bullying PSAs that NXT Uh, sometimes runs. Yes. Which celebrity can be seen in the next episode participating in one of WWE's woefully ironic anti-bullying PSAs? (laughs) And mind you, again, these are all people who have been associated with WWE in the past. Oh, no. Is it A, rapper Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, or just Diddy? B, Stephen Amell, the star of Arrow? C, boxer Floyd Money Mayweather? D, Jersey Shore cast member Snooki? Or E, Donald Trump? Oh, Jesus. All right, I'm going to use logic. I feel like it would be really weird if Stephen Amell was in that list and you just picked him yourself, Uh unless you've been watching Arrow a lot recently. (laughs) So I'm going to say that because the others sound slightly plausible, but Stephen Amell just seems weird. Unless he's super into wrestling, which Neil was saying he kind of is, maybe. Yeah, he's uh, he was showed up at an early AEW pay-per-view, I I believe. Really? As a wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, he wrestled. That's wild. On the main roster, he had a match with Neville. It was really good. Oh, wow. <laughs> Stephen Amell is your answer. B, 
and uh, come back next episode to see how Bob did on the Cheap Pop Quiz and if we will be reading more romance novels in the near future. Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, I think that's all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. As always, thank you so much for being here and joining me. Oh, thank you. I always have a good time. We have some announcements before we finish up here. Most importantly, The Next Wrestling Fan promotion has its latest signees, Bob. (gasps) Yay! Yeah, I don't know if you do this, but uh, these are people who have uh, gone to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and have signed up to give us a little bit of money and support us. The first one that we've signed recently is independent wrestling superstar, independent podcast wrestling superstar, uh, Johnny Keelman. Oh, wow. Yeah, you've heard of Johnny. He's uh, he's actually been with us for a while here on the Smash Fiction Network. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I happen to know that Johnny is uh, a student of mathematics in his real life. With that in mind, Johnny's wrestling name in this podcast promotion is going to be Matt Matrix. Ooh. As you know, Bob, uh, Matt is short for Matthew. Matthew. I don't know if you, you got what I did there. And, and Matrix <laughs> is a... <laughs> Matrix is a mathematical term. I'm sorry. You got me. <laughs> Matrix is a mathematical term uh, that also relates to a popular uh, film franchise. I don't know if you've heard of it. I envision uh, Matt Matrix coming out with black tights with those like green letters and numbers all over them. You know what I mean? And yes. he's sort of some... Sort of similar to Tyler Breeze and Aiden English. He's a character meant to be kind of an arrogant heel who, you know, who's better than all you people because he knows math. But instead, he ends up getting over with the crowd due to his uh, bullet time wrestling style, um, which is uh, quite the spectacle to watch. I don't mind telling you. One thing that Matt Matrix does to get heat from the crowd is, you know how when the referee pins, they count one two, three, because they add add from one to two to three. Yes. That is much too working class for Matt Matrix. Uh, He prefers the referee on his three counts to actually square the numbers. And so that results in eventually the crowd starts chanting along with this one, one, one. (laughs) Oh my God, math jokes. The other recent signee that we've made, uh, originally named Jennifer Jordan on the independent podcast wrestling scene. Mm. The name Jennifer Jordan sort of inspired me. I was thinking of like superheroes. I was thinking of kind of like right? uh, She-Hulk because Jennifer Walters. And I was thinking of Hal Jordan, very Green Lantern. So uh, I eventually came up with the name Flash Orion. <gasps> Ooh, I'm changing my name to that. That's great. Flash Orion is the wrestler from space. Oh, my um, God. Whether or not she's actually an alien or just a human from another planet slash dimension is unclear. I love it. But she's got a real uh, Flash Gordon thing going on in terms of her aesthetic. Very retro futurist. I love it. She wears an elaborate space helmet during her entrance, but takes it off when she gets to the ring as a big kind of like reveal as the music crescendos. Uh. I'm also folding in another character here to go along with Flash Orion because I've been feeling a little bit bad. One of our original Patreon supporters and longtime fan Jeff Polier has been saddled with my most uncreative name so far, which is Paul Jeffries. I just reversed his names. Uh, it was meant to be a joke about how wrestling just does that sometimes. This is true. <laughs> Brian Danielson, t- Daniel Bryan. Yeah, exactly. But Jeff, I think, deserves some sort of actual character to go along with the name. So I'm going to say that Paul Jeffries is actually Flash Orion's manager. And he's the astronomer who originally recognized where on Earth she was going to land, like upon her arrival, and went to meet her. Wow. And became her first friend on this planet. But when he found out how like strong and powerful she was, he got dollar signs in his eyes and started going around telling everyone they were just petty humans in the face of his client and her might who would fight and destroy anyone for the right price. So she's got a bit of a superiority complex going on right now, but who knows what would actually happen if she ever realized that her good buddy Paul is mainly just in it for the money. (gasps) I don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know what would happen. But, you know, Flash Orion has arrived in in the next wrestling fan podcast wrestling promotion. And uh, Paul Jeffries is here to tell us about it. That's awesome. Thank you so much to Johnny and to Jennifer for donating. I don't want to say to keep us going, but to like show your appreciation for what we do. We really appreciate you and everybody who uh, has become a patron over on patreon.com slash next wrestling fan. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jennifer and Johnny. We really appreciate your donations to support this weird and wonderful thing that we're trying to build in the world. 
Indeed. And that being said, Bob, we have come to a decision about what to do with some of the Patreon money coming in. Yes. If you've looked outside in the world, you've realized that things are a bit messy at the moment. And so we wanted to take the Patreon money for April and donate it to a local food bank in my area since people are out of work and uh, groceries are often hard to come by, especially if you use like WIC or SNAP or those things, you know, sometimes the things that you can buy with uh, WIC is not in stock at the moment. And so you need to mm-hmm. have other options. So we want to take that money and give it to a local food bank this month. Yes. So we really appreciate all your donations. We wanted to let you know that we are choosing to use the money this month uh, coming up in April to support some some people in need. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for helping us do that. And we just really appreciate you. We will um, continue to update you on whether or not that's a thing that we keep doing as the months go by, you know, depending on how long this thing lasts um we might not do it every month but be advised as you um continue to donate to us that that is on our minds and we may choose to to spend the money in that way yeah and we would also like to spend some time with you guys and Mm, we would like to yes we would yeah and so we are going to have a wrestling watch party and we are going to host that on the 11th of april at 1 p.m. Pacific time. We always do things in Pacific time because uh, the majority of the Smash Fiction crew happened to start there. So it always made sense. And now we've just gotten used to it. What happened is that, Bob, you and I have been, for the duration of this podcast uh, existing, I believe, we have been on uh, Mountain Time together. Yes. But um, because I live in Arizona, which is a backwards hillbilly state um, <laughs> where nothing makes sense and people will like fundamentally reject basic ideas of common sense because the government said it was a good idea. We don't do daylight savings time here. And as a result, half the year I uh, turn heel on you and I'm on Pacific <laughs> time with all the rest of the with all the rest of the losers on the <laughs> left coast. So we're going to be having this watch party and we are going to have it using cast K A S T. And you can do that either just by going to the website or by downloading the app. And I highly recommend downloading the app. And the way that you will get into this cast watch party is that we will drop the link about 45 minutes to 30 minutes before start time on April 11th and we'll be dropping that on Twitter and we'll be dropping it on Facebook. And so even if you don't have a Twitter, you will be able to go to our Twitter and pull it up and click on that. I believe Twitter lets you see things even if you don't have a Twitter account. And guys, you're not going to want to miss this watch party. We're going to watch a few things. And one of the things we're watching, because Bob has been asking about this, Megan Bob, ever since, you know, as we mentioned, Megan Bob is a, a weekly viewer of all elite wrestling programming of AEW Dynamite. So has been wondering recently what the fuck is going on with this Matt Hardy guy. What is Matt Hardy? What is he? So we're going to talk about that during the watch party and we are going to watch the final deletion and we are going to get Megan Bob's live reaction to the final deletion. If you don't know what that is, great. Don't look it up and spoil it for yourself. If you do, you know why you want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) April 11th, 1 p.m. Pacific, get a cast account and join us. It's going to be, dare I say, delightful. (laughs) I feel like that's a Matt Hardy thing and you're not telling me, but I'll find out. I don't know what you're talking about, Bob. I don't know what you're talking about. The wonderful three owls standing six feet apart or angry rat lady on Twitter (laughs) has started watching NXT and has been live tweeting some of the experience and it's been delightful. I love it so much. Currently said. Yeah, it's great. I like the way Leo Kruger plays with his hair like a shy five-year-old girl. And you know what? We love that, too. He knows how to use that dinglehopper, man. And we also wanted to say thank you so much to Chris Newton of Mega Dumbcast and Danny Blackson, ENT, for being so kind as to wreck us to another person who was asking for wrestling podcast recommendations. So thank you so much for being supportive and, you know, bigging us up, as somebody probably says. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone does say that. And, uh, <laughs> me, that's it. Just me. 
<laughs> Look, if nothing else, you just said it, so someone says it. This it's, is true. It's true. It's objective truth now. No one can take it away from you. It's on mic. It's been recorded. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for, for wrecking us in that Twitter thread. We really, really appreciate it. We appreciate everyone uh, who talks to us on social media, tells their friends, tells people online about it, or doesn't do any of that and just listens to us. We really appreciate you. You're part of our community. We really hope that you're doing well during this objectively trying time. Yes. And uh, we hope that we are providing you with some entertainment. And I wanted to say one more thing. Just if you're having a sad moment or a sad day, I just want to tell you to go look up any video of Chris Statlander, the wrestler, doing a nose boop on somebody. And I think you will find it makes things 5% better or more. Thank you all so much for everything that you do. We will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. This is honestly probably like the best Kurt Hawkins match. I want more for Kurt Hawkins, but definitely the best singles match I've seen him in. Who is he tag teamed with? His main tag team partner is a dude named Zack Ryder. I think I've heard of him. I'm sure you have. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm not sure (laughs) that you have, but like we can't talk about Zack Ryder right now. We'll actually just talk about him (laughs) at a later date. But okay, yeah, that's one of my favorite things is whenever you go, we can't, we can't, we can't can't right now. It's too much. Wait, he and Galactus are friends, right? Or something? Uh, again, can't get into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's di- different medium, also too much.